Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. God is good. Hallelujah. I believe he's given me a word for this body today. And it's, and it's from 1 Kings chapter 20. And I'm going to read through to verse 20. 20, uh, let's see here, 21. Now Benadad, king of Aram, gathered all his army, and there were 32 kings with him, and horses and chariots. And he went up and besieged Samaria and fought against it. Then he sent messengers to the, to the city, to Ahab, king of Israel, and said to him, Thus says Benadad, your silver and your gold are mine. He said, your silver and your gold is mine. Not too different than what the devil's telling some of you today. That your children, your jobs, your lack, it's all mine. And the king of Israel answered and said, it is according to your word. Oh my goodness. It is according to your word, my lord, O king. I am yours and all that I have. Well, this was King Ahab, and he had absolutely no spine. You know that, right? His wife, Jezebel. His wife, Jezebel, just uh, ruled over him. It was a, a very big controlling marriage. Then the messengers returned and said, Thus says Benadad, Surely I sent to you, saying, You shall give me your silver and your gold and your wives and your children. But about this time... Tomorrow, I'm going to send my servants. I'm going to send my henchmen. I'm going to send people to you. And they're going to search houses now. They're not going to only search your house, but they're going to search your servants' house, the people that you're ruling over, their houses. And whatever's desirable in your sight, in your eyes, they will take in their hand and carry it away. Then the king of Israel called all the elders of the land and said, Please observe and see how this man is looking for trouble. For he sent to me for my wives and my children and my silver and my gold, and I did not refuse him. And all the elders and all the people said to him, Do not listen or consent. So he said to the messengers of Ben-Hadad, Tell my lord the king all that you sent to your servant at the first I will do, but this thing I cannot do. And the messengers departed and brought him word again. And Ben-Hadad sent to him and said, May the gods do so to me, and more also, if the dust of Samaria shall suffice for handfuls for all the people who follow me. Then the king of Israel answered and said, Tell him, let not him who girds on his armor boast like him who takes it off. And it came about, when Ben-Hadad heard this message as he was drinking with the kings in the temporary shelters, that he said to his servants, Station yourself. So they stationed themselves against the city. Now behold, a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, and said, Thus says the Lord, Have you seen all this multitude? Behold, I will deliver them into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And Ahab said, by whom? So he said, thus says the Lord, by the young men of the rulers of the princes. 
Then he said, who shall begin the battle? And he answered, you, you Ahab, you're going to begin the battle. Then he mustered the young men and the, of the rulers of the princes, and there were 232. And after them, he mustered all the people, even all the sons of Israel, 7,000. And they went out at noon while Ben-Hadad was drinking himself drunk. He was boozing it up in the temporary shelters with the 32 kings who helped him. And the young men of the rulers of the provinces went out first, and Ben-Hadad sent out, and they told him, saying, men have come out from Samaria. Then he said, if they have come out for peace, you know, they're all drunk right now. So he said, ah, if they came out for peace, take them alive. If they came out for war, take them alive. So these went out from the city, the young men of the rulers of the provinces and the army which followed them, and they killed each his man, and the Arameans fled. And Israel pursued them, and Ben-Hadad, king of Arams, escaped on a horse with horsemen. And the king of Israel went out and struck the horses and chariots and killed the Arameans with a great slaughter. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word today, Lord God. We ask, oh God, that Father, I ask, oh God, that you put your coal upon my lips now, Lord, as I bring forth what I believe you've placed within my heart, oh God. Now, for the first pa few weeks, Pastor has been preaching on Nehemiah and the great work God called him to, correct? In rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. I believe each one that has been called to this church, to the peak community church, has been called for such a time as this. And for a great work the Lord is doing here in Peekskill Church. These past weeks we've only experienced a little bit, a little, a little bit of what God's going to do. I was thinking about Ezekiel, uh, I believe it's chapter 47, and it talks about the river coming out from underneath the throne of God. And it's up to their ankles, and it's up to their, their calves, it's up, and, that, and it overtakes them, and, and they're floating in it. This is what God's doing. But right now, we got the trickle. We got the little trickle. It's up to, the, it's up to our ankles, church. I believe that what God is about to do here at the peak it's going to flow outward to all the surrounding communities and further than that. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that God can do that? Do you believe that God is going to pour out his spirit through this church? And that there's going to be thousands of people saved and delivered. When I was here last Sunday, I was amazed at a lot of what the Lord spoke through Pastor uh, Rob. Because it was things that he was speaking to me, like, for the week before. And I said, oh, Lord, you, you, want, me, you want me to preach the same message? What, what am I doing here, oh, God? You know? Uh, and, uh, and, and you know what? The Apostle Paul writes to the church to write the same things to you. It's not, it's not grievous to me. It's not irksome. But it's for your sake. So God says, sometimes I have to bring forth a similar message so they get it. So my people get it. They, God wants us to get it. When I left church Sunday, the Lord said, now, I want you to prepare the people. Prepare the people on how to fight the external and internal enemies that will come against them. You see, when there's a new level God's bringing, to you, bringing you to, there's a new devil. New level, new devil. 
Right? Amen? You know what? The enemy is not rolling over and playing dead as the Spirit of God moves in this church, family. I know that many are under external attacks. They, people have come to me and told me some of the things that they've been going through. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 16.9, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. God has opened a door in Peekskill for a great work. God has given pastor such favor with the officials in this city, with the school officials, with the, the law enforcement. It's not, a, it's not a mistake. God has done this because he's preparing the ground. This is a time of preparation. Hallelujah. But with this work comes many adversaries. I'm so blessed as I've, been, I, I, I've come to Tuesday night prayer and I see it growing. You know what? Tuesday night prayer church is the foundation of the revival. You need to come out. If you can at all come out, come out for Tuesday night. Because that's why we're seeing what's happening here. That started happening here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. One of the things the Lord impressed upon me was something that pastor touched on last week and that is external and internal attacks of the enemy external attack of the enemy can come in various ways and i know a great like i said i know a great number of those that are part of this work um, is coming under a lot of attack um but the enemy his whole purpose is to wear down the saints to get them to doubt god's faithfulness and his goodness to distract us from the work he's doing here. First Kings 20, we have that account of Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, with 32 kings with him. And they went up, and the word says they besieged Samaria and made war against it. This is a type of satanic forces coming against the church, coming against this body. Now, Ben-Hadad sent his messengers to King Ahab, and they said, Thus says Benadad, everything you have is mine. That's like the devil saying, Go ahead, demons. I want you to go there, plant in their minds, and tell them, Everything you have is mine. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just like when we're in the midst, like I said, in the midst of a trial, and the devil sends out his demonic forces to try to bring us to a place where we lose our joy. Because you know what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. And he tries to rob us of our peace. Hallelujah. Whether it's your health, finances, your children, jobs, whatever it may be, those demonic forces will bombard your mind and magnify the situation to try to overwhelm you. In verse 4, we see Ahab's response. He was ready to cave in. Because, you know what? Ahab really didn't know God. Verse 5, we have Ben-Hadad telling Ahab, I'm not satisfied with just having your silver, gold, and your family. I'm going to send my servants, and they're not only going to search your house, but your servants' houses also, and anything they like, they're going to take. 
Oh, if we give to into the devil and his tactics, he will always try to take more. Hallelujah. Verse 7, we see, we see Ahab called together the leadership. He finally got some smarts. He says, oh, let me get the elders together. I need to get some counsel. Hallelujah. So he got the leadership and he told them how, how he caved in and did not deny Ben-Hadad anything he asked. And the elders and all the people said to Ahab, don't listen or consent. I want you to hear that. Do not listen nor consent. Tell somebody, do not listen to the enemy, nor consent to what he's speaking to your mind. Hallelujah. 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 Family, when the enemy attacks your mind, do not listen. I'm going to say this again because I really I want you to get this. Do not listen or consent to what he is saying. Take the thought captive right away. Bring it in alignment with the word of God. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. That is your, that's your weaponry. Hallelujah, that will bring him down. It brought him down in the wilderness when Jesus was tempted. It'll bring him down in your situation, church. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We see when Ben-Hadad heard Ahab's decision not to submit, to submit to his command, this really ticks him off. It's going to tick the devil off when you say, no, I'm not receiving what you're saying. Hallelujah. It's going to tick him off. And, and Ahab, he's boozing it up now with the other kings. He's boozing it up with the other kings, and he tells his henchmen, go attack that city. When the devil sees you standing strong in battle, he is not going to like it. The battle may become fiercer. Always remember God is in control at these times. Not the devil. Not the devil. Hallelujah. I want to share something with you. About 30 years ago, this is a little part of my testimony, short. About 30 years ago, my cousin and I were in full-time ministry here in Peekskill. We uh, used to minister to, the, to a lot of the uh, girls that were in bondage to prostitution because they were supporting their crack habit. Back then in the 80s, you walked the streets and it was like crunch, crunch, crack files all over the place. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so we, were, we had a house down in Montrose that we used to bring the girls to and so they could clean up and stuff and to be able to minister uh, to them. Um, at that time, the, neither one of us was working. The Lord told my cousin to quit her job. I wasn't working. I was receiving a disability pension at the time. And the Lord told me, write the government, tell them not to send you that pension anymore. I have healed you. You're taking it under false pretenses. You have been healed. So I did that. I, I mean, and I got some flack from a lot of people. What are you, crazy? You're going to give up your, even my family. What are you, crazy? So... The Lord said, so at this time we had no money coming in. The Lord told us at the time not to tell anyone our needs. He would take care of us, and, and he did. We never went without food. We never went without gas. And even our phone bill, which was tremendous each month, because the girls used to call us collect from the prison and from the jail, and at that time it was very expensive. You didn't have cell phones and stuff like it. You're talking about th over 30 years ago. 
Um, it wasn't like today. So anyway, the biggest test came. This is now we stopped paying our mortgage payment on the house. We didn't have the money for that for six months. The bank never bothered us for six months. Then we got a call one day and said, we're going to foreclose on the house. So just like Hezekiah set out that paper that the king of Assyria sent saying, we're going to attack you. Your God's not going to protect you. We set it out before the Lord. And it was something. I was reading the word, the word of God. And in Isaiah 37, 33, I opened it up. And it was like the scripture jumped right off the page at me. It says, therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor come before it with shields, nor cast a bank against it. Hallelujah. He, the bank was not coming against us. And at that time, faith rose up in me, my cousin. I'm telling you, I didn't know how God was going to do it. I don't know when he was going to do it. But I knew he was going to do it. I knew the bank was not going to come against it. Oh, yes. And let me tell you something. It didn't go away right away, neither. There were times that our faith was shaken. Especially when we started receiving phone calls from not, they were not so nice, the phone calls that we received. But you know what? We went and God just had us press into him. We would praise and worship. And it was like a, a, a lead weight was lifted from us. And the day did come. The day before the foreclosure proceedings were supposed to begin, a couple... A couple came to our house, to the house, and gave us a check. We never let anybody know about our our dilemma at all. They came and gave a check and said, "The Lord told them. The Lord told them. The Lord told them to give it to us." And all they said was, "God bless you," and left. That check paid. The whole six months, the whole six months of that mortgage. Plus, there was some money left that we were able to provide for a needy family, a meal. That's the kind of God that we are serving, church. Get a hold of it. Get a hold of it. He's not a respecter of persons. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. Hallelujah. So back to 1 Kings 20. Here comes a prophet from God. Just like the prophetic word, a lot like the prophetic word that the Lord gave me concerning the house. The prophet tells Ahab in verse 13, Have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. When we were delivered from that foreclosure, we knew without a shadow of a doubt that it was the Lord, and he received all the glory. When you get a word from the Lord, suddenly you have strength and courage to come against the enemy. Look what happens in verses 14 through 22. God gives Israel victory over the enemy as they follow his command. But as we read on, we see it's not over yet. The prophet tells Ahab, the enemy will be back. The word of God tells us the devil, after fa failing to get Jesus to yield to temptation in the wilderness, that he left him 
until an opportune time. God will give you victory over any external attacks of the enemy. Remember your previous deliverances. It's so important to remember where God brought you from, that deliverance he brought us from. He, during this time, we were getting money in the, in the mail saying, Jesus loves you. And, and, and then we were brought to a greater place, a greater testing ground with the house. He's never going to keep you in the same spot. There's always going to be a greater test but remember the God that delivered you from the past test hallelujah he's the same yesterday today and forever he is a God and he changes not hallelujah hallelujah we thank you Lord we thank you Lord hallelujah Jesus hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Remember your previous deliverances the God who brought you through the last trial hasn't left you he will do it again Pray, praise, and stay in God's word. He will speak to you. Take thoughts captive that are adverse to the word of God. Have people pray for you. Remember, the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. He will direct you if you are to do anything. Until he does, wait on him. Don't let the enemy distract you. Hallelujah. Now I want to touch a few minutes on the internal attacks of the enemy in the body of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11, it says, But whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ, in order that no advantage be taken of us by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. Look to someone and says, I'm not ignorant of the enemy's schemes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're not ignorant of the enemy's schemes. The internal attacks of the enemy in the body of Christ in this area. Oh, he's had a lot of success, unfortunately. He has had a lot of success in bringing division and disunity in the body of Christ. I believe he's been so successful in this area because so many in the body of Christ are wounded. And those that are wounded, wound. Many, many don't even know the extent of their woundedness. I went through a large part of my walk. I'll tell you, church, I went through years and years of my walk. I was so wounded. Even when I was out in ministry, I was so wounded. And I was mean. I could be mean at times. I was controlling. And I was mean. It was, I didn't like it. I didn't know where it was coming from. I, I saw how I was responding to people. I was hurting people. It was like somebody could say something to me. It was like pouring salt on an open wound internally. You know, and the devil was always right there to pour some more fuel on it. And instead of going to people and trying to get things right, I would cut them off. And I would have some religious reason why I cut them off. And I just backed off. And I see this, this tactic of the enemy to hinder revival from what God wants to do 
in your life. You know what? Maybe it was a, a parent or a family member that wounded you or a teacher or a classmate or a spouse. We carry those wounds into our walk. When we get saved, we're as saved as we're ever going to be. But there's still areas in our lives that God's got to heal. And you, you know what? I'll tell you, you can, get, you can get delivered of the enemy, of demonic forces, but you can't cast out the flesh. The flesh has got to be crucified. It's a, and, and having these wounds healed was a hard thing. It was a hurtful thing. But I'll tell you, it's a place. God will bring you to a place of freedom through it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In, in Proverbs 18.4, it says, The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? You ever hear that? You, I'm sure you all heard that. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Well, that's such a lie. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but names, a word, will wound your spirit. Words will either build you up or tear you down. Hallelujah. Jesus. And you know what? Most people do not deliberately want to hurt us. They don't. I want to tell you something that the Lord showed me. And I want you to try this. And I've shared this with other people. The next time someone says something that hurts you, you need to practice this. Make a habit of it. Instead of re reacting, I want you to ask the Lord, why did that remark hurt me? Ask him, say, Lord, you heard that. Why did that hurt me? What is it touching inside me? And you know what? The Lord will start bringing to light when you receive that wound. He will. And he will begin to heal you. I still have times, I still have times when somebody will say something to me and at work or something and, 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 and I feel it. I feel it like a, oh, I feel like a hurt. And so I, all of a sudden I feel hurt and so I don't want to cry. I feel hurt. And then, I, and then I'll go into the bathroom. <laughs> That's my prayer room at work, the bathroom. I said, Lord, why did that hurt me? And then he would show me something that happened in my past. And you know what? It, it, it's so freeing when you start allowing God to uncover all those hurts. You become stronger. You become, people start to like you more. <laughs> yeah, people start to like you more. It's true. It says... In uh, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Jesus is the only one that can heal a wounded spirit. You're not going to go to the ER. You can't go to the doctor's office. You're not, you can't get it. You can try to put a Band-Aid on you spiritually, but it's going to break open at some point. So you need to ask God. Ask God to heal you. And you know what? A lot of times, yes, Lord, a lot of times what was said to you, it's not that it was right. The wounds that were inflicted upon you, it's not that they were right. But what we need to deal with is our reaction to it. The doors we open because of our reaction to being hurt. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know what? Uh, many years ago, the Lord spoke to me, and he said the greatest miracles that we were going to see in the body of Christ was the healing of deep, deep inner wounds. And Lord, I, I know we're seeing that today. I see it. I'm seeing it more and more. People are getting freed up. Even the music, if you think about a lot of the, the new Christian, the music, it all has to do with wound, being wounded and Jesus healing you of those wounds. And there's a reason for that. God wants his, his, his body whole. Body, soul, and spirit. Again, in... 2 Corinthians 2.11 tells us that we're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. Don't be ignorant of the devil's schemes. The Lord would say, beware of the enemy's tactic to bring internal division. Don't hold on to hurts. Keep short accounts. Ask the Lord to show you the doors that have been opened in your life that have brought the wound and ask him to heal you. Go to someone. You trust if need be. James 5.16, and this, I'll tell you something, this brings freedom. This brings freedom. The devil always wants to keep you in secrecy, but this brings freedom. I'm, I mean, I'm reading from the Amplified. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart the earnest heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working dynamic in its working hallelujah don't be, don't let the devil keep you in secrecy if you're hurting you go to somebody that you can trust pour out your heart ask them to pray for you and see what god does hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. I have come to the greatest freedom, places of freedom when I've confessed my faults to someone I trusted. I really have. And a weight was lifted off of me. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. We can walk in such love that offense will not overcome us. And church, we need that kind of love in this body. Because I'm telling you, there's going to be people that are going to come in. And they're going to need, they're going to need that love. They're going to need that unconditional love. They're going to need not to be judged. They're going to need a touch from God. And knowing that you're the, his hands extended to them. Hallelujah. 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 Offenses will come, the word says, but we do not have to react to them in an ungodly fashion. If you're offended, go to the person that offended you. Not to anyone else. This is a big problem. This is called a lot of division and, and separations in the body of Christ. Somebody gets offended, and then they go to Joe, they go to Mary, they go to this one, that one, to tell everybody that they're offense, except they never go to the person. And here, these people are being poisoned. And division starts in the body of Christ. And church splits happen. It breaks my heart. I've seen it. I've seen revival stop because of this. There was a great revival going on in the church I came out of in Pennsylvania. And it split. It stopped because of uh, gossip and offense. 
You know what? In uh, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, it says there's six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and look at this last one listed, and one who sows discord among the brethren. I'm going to say that. And one who sows discord among the brethren. That's a strong word, church. It's, a, it's an abomination. It says there's seven things, six things, six things, but there's seven that are an abomination to him. There's seven things that are abominations. Sowing discord among the brethren is one of them. Family, let me leave you with this. If you're going through a storm right now, know the sun is out above that storm. And he's, he's about to break through. He's going to break through and deliver you. Don't let the enemy distract you. Get into the word. Pray and praise. And I'm telling you, you got to listen to worship music. Put worship music on. Keep it going all day if you can. You need to have that worship music on. I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Fill yourself with the word of God. And if anyone has offended you, pray first. Pray. And then go to that person. And when you can go to them in love and straighten it out, that's when you need to go. When you feel that a release, that you can go to them in love. And I'll tell you something. We'll have a body that no enemy in hell will ever be able to break through and bring any kind of destruction. As the word says in James 1.19, whether you're going through an external attack or internal attack of the enemy, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Finally, the last scripture the Lord's given me today was Psalm 133, 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if we are walking with the fruits of the Holy Spirit emanating in our lives, the love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, and gentleness and self-control. And we have on the full armor of God. We can face the enemy and have victory, knowing that God's got our back. We will see a mighty, mighty now move of God. God's going to do a now move. And he has started to do a now move in this body. Every eye closed. The Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.